0: Welcome, everybody, to the University of Michigan Concussion Center Headliners podcast. Uh, These are just casual conversations intended as a get-to-know-you format from some of the most well-known and well-respected concussion researchers and neuroscientists from around the world. My name is Steve Broly. I'm the director of the University of Michigan Concussion Concussion Center, and I am honored and privileged to be joined by my friend, Dr. John Register mahalik today. Jonna is an associate professor in the Department of Exercise and Sports Science and co-director of the Star Heel Performance Laboratory, as well as being in core faculty of the Matthew Gefella Center at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And as an alum, I'm proud to say, go Heels. Uh, She completed her undergraduate work at the University of Alabama, and then her master's and doctoral uh, at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Jana's research uh, includes the Negative Consequences, Prevention, Education, and Clinical Management of Sport and Recreation-Related TBI, and her primary work centers around novel behavioral and clinical interventions to improve prevention and care for concussion across the lifespan. She is the 2018 NATA Research and Education Foundation New Investigator Award winner, as well as being a fellow in the American College of Sports Medicine and the National Athletic Trainers Association. Welcome, Jana. Thank you, Steve. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So um, through that long, long intro, which could have been much longer, you've done so much in such a short amount of time. Um, You went to school at Alabama. Is that where you grew up?
1: I did. Yeah. I grew up in a small town in southeastern Alabama called Slocum, Alabama. We're known for our tomatoes Um, and Friday night football. Um, So sports were a big part of my life growing up. And I grew up on a farm. And then I ended up Heading to the University of Alabama to um, go to undergrad and pursue athletic training as a bachelor's degree.
0: Okay. What did your parents do?
1: Yeah. So my mom was a kindergarten teacher for over 30 years, and my dad owns a farm and still runs a a working farm down in Slocum.
0: Okay. Was he a tomato farmer or something else?
1: So he did that. Yeah. But we row cropped a lot. So he did um, peanuts, those kinds of things. Mm. And then primarily now we just have livestock and hay.
0: Okay. Very good. Um, and so uh, you said your mom was a kindergarten teacher. Is it true that everything you learn comes from kindergarten and then you can just stop at that point? Is that true? I think
1: a lot of the basics of what we <laughs> learn is from kindergarten. Yes. I think I go back to those things all the time. You know, uh, be a good listener, be a good friend, right? Yeah. Um, listen uh, when you need to and learn every day, which yeah. we did in kindergarten. I think those things still apply.
0: Raise your hand to ask a question. Right? Yeah. Don't run right. with scissors, like simple. <laughs> so.
1: We should all abide by those every day.
0: <laughs> true, true. Um, brothers, sisters?
1: Yeah, I have one sister. Her name's Jenna. Uh, my daughter's also Jenna, so she's uh. named after her aunt. Um, but uh, yeah, I have one sister. She's an accountant, so she's very left-brained. I'm more <laughs> combination-brained. Yeah, and she lives in Birmingham, so still in Alabama.
0: Okay. Um, and... Um, any pets growing up. I you have livestock I did. now, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe they don't a, quite qualify qualify as pets.
1: Yeah, I had a lot of pets growing up, but actually I did. I um uh I participated in livestock shows where you um sort of these animals do become your pets. So I showed cows for four years um during that time period. So I had lots of cows. Um and then um now we have a dog named Callie who's a big part of our family.
0: Okay. Um, is, is, uh, livestock showing, was that a favorite childhood memory or was there something else?
1: Oh uh, yeah. Livestock showing has lots of memories, right? You get to go to lots of fairs for free. Uh, you get free entry if you're a participant. Um, yeah. So th- big childhood memory from like socialization and things like that too. People are still my friends that you, um, sort of gained through that through four H. Mm-hmm. So I was a big, big in four H growing up in elementary and middle school. Um, but I would say my favorite childhood memories are are actually just growing up on the farm and being with my family. So we didn't actually live on the farm. We had to drive to the farm, which is a little bit different, but um yeah. spent a lot of time outside um, and a lot of time with, as a family. um, so that I probably think about the farm when I think about some of my favorite childhood Love memories.
0: It. And uh, was working on the farm your first job, or or maybe maybe it was a family job? Is that
1: yeah, it was that definitely part? my first job, right? Where you learn the the hard work is some certainly a huge value of my whole family's and I think mine too. Um, but yeah, so in the summers, especially when we had produce, so tomatoes or other things, I spent most of my summers doing those kinds of things. But also helping my dad, you know, drive the tractor and do different things um, as you you know sort of got older and were able to do that. So yeah, definitely my first job and my first four-way into working hard.
0: You must be uh, a critical consumer of tomatoes. Having grown well, I
1: am a very critical consumer of tomatoes. Um, so I have a, a lot of thoughts about too much water, not enough water, um, those <laughs> kinds of things. That makes a tomato. And don't put them in the refrigerator.
0: Yes, yes, I learned that. Um, maybe not in kindergarten, but I, my mother, I remember my mother teaching me that. Like never put tomatoes in the refrigerator. So along yeah. with bananas, that was the other thing. Can't put those in the fridge. Yeah. Um, so a favorite tomato. Favorite. favorite yeah. Mm.
1: Well, yeah, that's fun. That's a great question. Um, so now I love the small grape tomatoes because my kids love those, right? Yeah. Um, but my favorite are they're big, they're like a beefsteak tomato, but they're really big um and juicy because you can slice them up and put them on a sandwich. So you can eat a, a nice BLT with some Duke's mayonnaise.
0: Oh, there you go. Very southern. Yeah. I love it. So um Family farm is the first kind of job, but informal job, maybe you maybe you got a little bit of money from the parents, but what about the first like formal job?
1: Yeah, my first formal job was actually working at um, a bank. So my, my first year of college, I worked as a teller mm-hmm. at the bank in Slocum um, for that summer, <laughs> um, which was an invaluable experience um, because you get to talk to people every day. Um, and you learn a little bit about sort of just how banks operate and how money management and different things. Um I thought it was a, a really awesome experience um that summer. Um and I always say that if I get tired of what I'm doing, that's what I'm going back to do. I enjoyed it so much.
0: Very good. That's um that's an interesting first I have not I don't know anybody that's worked in a bank for their first job. So um you get you get the you get the, the blue ribbon for that one, I think. So yeah. Um so when you were younger uh was banking on your horizon as a job, as a career, or something else maybe?
1: Not at all. So when I was younger, I wanted to be a pediatrician. That was probably the first Mm -hmm. thing I can remember wanting to be. Um, I actually had a um, female pediatrician, was my first doctor, and I thought she was amazing. Um, And then as I got older, you know, thinking about... um, you know, I loved science. I loved medicine and wanted to help people. And she was still around. She actually went back to school and then got did a separate residency in emergency medicine mm-hmm. um, and ended up practicing emergency medicine. Um, and so I thought it was really cool that she sort of was doing what she was doing and highly invested. Um, so that was what I really wanted to be to start with. Um, and then I met an athletic trainer when I was a sophomore in high school. And that was kind of my pivot to wait. I can do things with sports and healthcare and medicine.
0: All right. But didn't want to stay uh, as a physician into, into sports medicine type things. Totally shifted into athletic training.
1: Yeah, totally shifted into that.
0: Okay. Um, were you good in school up to that point? Well, or all the way through even?
1: Yeah, I always loved school. So I, I really like to learn. Um, I also like being around people. And so in school, you just get to be with cohorts of people all day. Right, <laughs> I think right. that's probably why I really liked school. Um, But always love science. Um, I also really love literature and reading. Um, I had some really awesome, all the way through middle and high school, um, English teachers and literature teachers that really instilled a passion for that. So I'm still an avid reader um, today. So I could have done many different things. But I think once I met um, an athletic trainer and felt like I could pair together lots of my interest in one space, um, I felt like that was the right path for me.
0: Yeah. What uh, so? What type of literature? Nonfiction literature, fiction literature, historical yeah. fiction.
1: Yeah, I like it all. Um, but I love memoirs or autobiographies. Those are probably my favorite.
0: Okay, got a favorite one that you go back to yeah, or think about? Go back to.
1: I have several. So there's an author named Shauna Nyquist. Um, So she's a memoirist. That's primarily what she writes. Um, I enjoy her storytelling. Um, They're short essays. Um, I like to read, then you can pick it up and put it down. So she's one of my favorite authors. Um, And then I also love Michelle Obama's Becoming. That's one of my favorites also. So those are two of my recent kind of Favorites. Um, but growing up, my favorite books were Beverly Cleary's. So I read a lot of Beverly Cleary's growing up, and I forced my children to read it too, but they don't love it as much as I do.
0: Yeah, it. Uh, I remember reading them as a kid as well, um, but uh, I don't think my daughter has even heard that series. So no,
1: I tried to buy the series, and I don't think they, I think one of them yeah. got, got read by her. So.
0: Yeah, there you go. There you go. So um, Alabama undergrad, Chapel Hill Gr- Masters and Doc. Um. how did you make that selection? You probably had a well, lot of choices you could have made.
1: Yeah, so to go to Alabama, actually, I, I love telling this story. I think I've told it before in, in other settings or in other podcasts. But there was a, a girl at my high school that was a couple of years older than me um, that actually went to Alabama and did athletic training. And so I had someone that I could see and say, hey, I can do that too and to ask questions of. And I applied to a couple different places, but I always wanted to go to Alabama. Um, I, I mean, if you're from Alabama, you know, you got to pick Alabama or Auburn right <laughs> from the time you're born. Um, and it was Alabama in my house. So um, I always wanted to go to Alabama. And then knowing that they had such a strong um, athletic training curriculum and then being able to see my uh, friend, who is a few years older than me, be able to do that. Um, was kind of the, the reason I wanted to go there. And I had the opportunity when we were doing college visits to meet with the program director at the time there when I was, I think, a junior and undergrad. And that really sealed the deal for me that that's sort of where I wanted to go. I wanted to go to a place that had big sports, a bigger institution. I was from a really small town where, you know, everyone did everything. I kind of wanted to go and be a small fish in a big pond and right. work my way through that. Um, And Alabama certainly did all of that. And with, you know, a really great athletic training program, I loved every aspect of my education there. So that's how I um, ended up there. Um, Chapel Hill, I ended up because during between our junior and senior year in undergrad at Alabama, we had to do an internship somewhere off site. So we had to take an internship uh, class and do an internship off site. And people did all kinds of things. They went and did NFL internships or internships at clinics. Um, and my program director at the time said, you know, you're really interested in research. Why don't we try to find somewhere where you could do like a kind of hybrid type experience and knew I was interested um, in concussion uh, and head trauma. And so I just cold reached out to Dr. Kevin gusquets and said, hey, I'm this kid from Alabama and I'm really interested. I read um, several of your papers and I am looking for an opportunity to do an internship. Um, and he emailed me back. And um, I ended up spending three weeks here between my junior and senior year. Um, And from that point on, it was all Carolina blue for me um, that I really wanted to, you know, be in Chapel Hill, but also just the concussion work, the landscape, the community-based sort of tentacles that were you know in place at the time were all things that were really important to me and to be able to sort of pursue my athletic training degree so that's how I ended up in Chapel Hill is someone cold call answered my email so (laughs) I feel obligated to do that right a lot of people stepped in and helped me so I hope I can do that for other people too
0: I think um so we're working to get Kevin on here um hopefully in the next couple months but um I think he uh has responded to a lot of cold call emails and changed a lot of lives in the most positive way possible over the years. Yeah, for so, sure.
1: I mean, um, that was yeah. certainly something he didn't have to do. I ended up taking cadaver anatomy, I worked on mm. there was this big project, the concussion prevention initiative that was a kind of that combination project right. of he and Mike McCrae if anyone's ever heard mm. them talk how they sort of met each <laughs> other. Um, you know, I got to work on that project. Um and then I got to meet Steve Marshall, who's a biostatistician epidemiologist. I spent some time with him that summer who ended up being a big part of my PhD training um, also. So yeah, for sure. That was a big turning point for me of right. kind of knowing exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah.
0: And what what year was that? Was the internship?
1: That was in 2003.
0: Okay. Very good. So um, when you were at Alabama, what what sports did you work as you were coming through? And then as a master student at, at Chapel Hill?
1: Yeah, so I had the opportunity during my observer time to be one of the primary observers as a first year at football before I was officially in the program, which obviously at Alabama is a really big deal. Um, and then my first clinical assignment was actually Alabama football. Um, and so really exciting, really fun. I'm um, still very good friends with two of the folks who were, that was my first clinical assignment. One of them is actually the head athletic trainer at NC State now, um, so he's right here close to me. Um And so, yeah, so I had football first. I also had the opportunity to work track and field and provide care um, with with that team. That was the first time I ever went on an airplane. I went to um, Fayetteville, Arkansas um, to the SEC uh, conference meet um, because that coach actually valued um, the student athletic trainer so much that he personally made sure that I could travel to that trip. And so that was actually a clinical assignment that I didn't think that I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it. I didn't know a lot about track and field, but I got to do so many things hands on. I had a great relationship with my preceptor and the coaching staff, and it really made me very excited about staying in athletic training. Um, I also had the opportunity to um, work with a team at a high school and then our and then I worked uh, men's basketball. Those were my primary sports.
0: Very good. And then when you got to Chapel Hill, I think the master students do like a primary and a secondary sport.
1: Yeah. So I had women's lacrosse, which was amazing, and women's basketball. Um, I had never seen a lacrosse game um, because we don't really have lacrosse in Slocum, Alabama. And so um, before arriving to campus, I read a whole book about lacrosse um, and how the game was played. And, you know, talked to everyone I could about what kind of medical concerns should you have in women's lacrosse um, and it was an incredible experience um so that those are my two sports here yeah
0: okay so you have since gone i don't think you have any you don't do any clinical work anymore correct
1: no other than our concussion program where right. folks come through this so
0: you you've moved out of the like hands-on clinical care space full-time researcher faculty member teaching and mentoring students how would your parents describe what you do for a living <laughs>
1: That's a great question. Um, I think now they would say that I teach and do research. Um, I think they would answer that question. I'm not sure they for a long time knew what I actually did. I think they can articulate it. Um, They're big sports fans also. So I think they talk about most of what I do in the context of Carolina basketball and Alabama football. Um, I just am fortunate to be at two institutions that have powerhouses in those spaces. But, yeah, I think they would say that I teach and do research. Okay. Um, for a living, but that's, it's funny because we were just talking, one of my postdocs and I were just talking about this, like, do our parents actually know what we do? Um, but that's what they'd say, I think.
0: <laughs> um, and then daughter, daughter, Jenna, and you have a son whose name is escaping yeah. me. It's John. Yeah, John. Okay. Um, what are they into?
1: Yes. So this is one of my favorite quotes from my daughter. My daughter's very artistic, but she also loves science. So she mixes the two. She wants to be an architect and also have a degree in graphic design. So she likes to very is sort of, a, that's what she wants to do right now. She once told um, Jason, my husband, who's also um, a PhD scientist, said to us one day, I want to be a real scientist, not like you and dad, like <laughs> Mary Curie. Um, so no, no one, that's right right she'll put us in our place quickly so um yeah she loves art and science and wants to be an architect and graphic designer now and then my little guy i don't know he he loves to be outside he would live outside 24 hours a day if we let him yeah um you know so i don't know he he says he wants to be like his papa and be a farmer most days but i think that's just because he could be outside all day so sure. yeah right. they love it so they're both into sports so maybe something in sports too they both like to play sports and be outside.
0: Yeah. So your daughter is going to um, build the buildings, design the interiors, and then be a double Nobel prize winner. That's that's right. In chemistry and physics. So That's
1: right, um, in chemistry and physics.
0: Right. So she's got it going on. I like it. So um, she'll get there, I'm sure. <laughs> um, what's the most important thing you've learned in life?
1: Oh, wow. That's a hard question, Steve. Um, <laughs> people are the most important. I think in... Um, you know, so many times, especially in, you know, cases of institutions like Michigan or like UNC or like other places, in your job, you can get really caught up in tasks. And even in life, right, you get caught up in checking boxes. Um, But people are what matter, right? The people around you, the people in your family, um, the people you work with. Um, And so I think that's probably one of the most important things, the things I still really am trying to learn and make sure I prioritize is relationships and people matter. They're the most important, not the task at hand.
0: Yeah. And can you, um, I don't know if that, you saying that, that was a, you had an epiphany and that was like a one, oh, I've realized today that this is, people are important and I'm not trying to minimize what, or maybe, maybe it's something that you kind of just gain over time, but can you maybe talk about what your life was like before you learned that lesson and after you learned that lesson?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a constant. Um, I like to say that we get up every day and begin again. Right. We're, we're constantly learning. But I certainly think there was a time in life, um, you know, where everything was more focused on task and getting to the next step, right? Um, Especially as you go through, I feel like as I went through, you know, you got an undergraduate degree and if you can just get this, then you can get to the master's degree and you can just get this and then you'll get to your PhD. If you can just defend your dissertation, then you'll get that job. And when you get that job, if you just get tenure and um, actually one of my mentors, Dr. Darren Padwa said, there's always something next. You got to step back. And forget that and do what's important day to day, because there's always going to be something if you're prioritizing your life around that. Um, And I think that was when I was a, a, maybe a fourth year doctoral student that we had that conversation. And that was probably a big turning point to really start thinking about, wait, wow, I've been living my whole life with check boxes, you know, and really thinking about how to immerse and care about people. Um, But I think my my nature and my personality is very task oriented. And so um, I'm constantly having to learn and begin again to refocus on people, because um, those are the things where you feel, where I feel fulfilled, and feel like where you're making the most difference. Not when you just check off a task, right? And right. I think about you know times before that, a lot more anxiety, a lot more stress, because you're so focused on the task instead of immersing yourself with the people uh, in those relationships.
0: Yeah, it's great. It's great. I think lessons we can all uh, learn from. I think so. Um, so you talked about. Beginning again every morning, what does your morning look like? What's your morning routine?
1: Yes, I love a morning routine. Um, So I get up, I have a cup of coffee every morning. Um, I love coffee. That's a highlight of of my day. Um, I usually read for 15 minutes. I also like to journal, start out my day, figure out what my day looks like, what I'm thankful for, um, maybe what I'm worried about or what I'm kind of concerned about working through. Um, and then I also exercise, um, at least three or four mornings a week. So that's, that's pretty consistent. Um, you know, I, I find mornings when I don't start my mornings off that way, I end up back in my task oriented fashion instead of in my people oriented fashion.
0: All right. Fair enough. So, um, is, is morning, um, is that your free time or do you carve out other chunks in the day that this is John a time for hobbies or other activities?
1: Yeah. So morning's my big free time. I usually get up about five 30 so I can be up, you know, an hour, 15 minutes or so before the kids get up to do that, to exercise and to, you know, kind of make some time for myself. Um, I'm also a, the best thinker in the morning. So I love that my kid's school schedule got shifted and they start at seven 45 now so that I can do my morning routine. Jason and I get them where they need to be. And then I can really dig into my work day. Um, uh, so, yeah. So mornings are when I usually carve out the most time for myself. And then Sunday afternoons, I always is another time trying to go into the week where you're feeling stressed and you got everything that's coming up is trying to find some ways to, you know, carve out a couple hours for myself and to do something fun.
0: I like it. Good. Um, so you're world-renowned researcher, concussion space, um, really setting the world on fire with kind of active rehab and doing great things there. What are you not good at?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. I'm not good at snow skiing. Um, but but the, <laughs> I'm terrible at snow skiing. That's actually Great the first, thing that, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I'm not good at snow skiing, um, and I'm married to a Canadian who is. So that's not an activity that we typically do together. Um, so yeah, no, I'm not good at snow skiing. Um and I think I'm also I actually I would say the hardest thing professionally that I really have a hard time with is the balance between I really like logistics and processes and you sort of work through your research process and get to a place that you can't be down in the weeds you have amazing people you work with that help navigate some of that um and I think I'm not very good at letting go of the weeds um and then I don't ride as much as I should and I am more caught up in like processes and day to day than um sometimes I can't see the forest for the trees, right? I get really caught up in the trees. Um I think I've done that my whole life. It's still something I like have to work on every day um to navigate through that.
0: All right. It's that that's a journey, right? I think every scientist is uh uh we start off controlling everything and then, you know, your your shop grows bigger and bigger and you have to kind of let go to some extent and um let the other people do their job. So, I think we all go through yeah. that at some level. So, Um, some short ones here for you. What was the last thing you Googled? Oh, what was the last thing I
1: Googled? Um, the name of the actor who plays the flash on the TV show, the flash. So I've been into watching the flash. That was the last thing I Googled this morning.
0: I actually don't know. What what is the name?
1: I can't remember his name. He's not someone that's famous. So that's why I was looking it up. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. What inspires you?
1: Um, nature being outside um like uh uh, sort of new growth seasons change like it's beautiful here right now in autumn you know sort of seeing that leaves have to change and we have to change i don't know it's very inspired nature in general is very inspiring to me um just to sort of see the cycle of things and that things aren't always the same that you can begin again i know it sounds cliche but nature is definitely my like muse or my the thing i'm really inspiring to me
0: all right What's a guilty pleasure?
1: Oh, that's a I got a lot of those. Um, let's see. Um, I would say my guilty pleasure is cupcakes. I love cupcakes.
0: Okay. Chocolate, vanilla?
1: Chocolate all the way.
0: Okay. Chocolate with chocolate icing filled with chocolate. Chocolate,
1: chocolate ice cream with chocolate chips. That's the more chocolate, the better. Yeah.
0: (laughs) As as my daughter will say, death by chocolate, just a warm-up.
1: That's right. (laughs) Yes. I love that.
0: Um finish this sentence. It all comes down to
1: today. All
0: right. I like that. What's a piece of advice you would give to a young faculty member or clinician who's just starting out?
1: Surround yourself with, with good people. I'm going to go back to my people matter um, because you're going to have bad days. You're going to have things that happen that are hard. Um, and having people around you that you can talk about those things and work through those problems with, make it a lot easier to manage, but also I think make you more successful. And when I say surround yourself with good people, I don't just mean people who are going to be a yes person for you, but also people who are going to keep you in check and, and hold you accountable too.
0: All right. That's great advice. I love it. Um, where can people find more about you and your work?
1: Awesome. Two places. So one is tbicenter.unc.edu. And another is exss.unc.edu. So our two websites.
0: All right, John, thank you. Appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we'll get to see each other in a couple weeks in person and uh, at the international meeting. And I'm looking forward to catching up some more.
1: Yeah, same here. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Steve.
0: You bet. Take care.